Good morning, everyone. Ooh, this is loud. This is hot there. Welcome to everyone. We're glad you're here. It's uh, great to share this time of fellowship and worship together, and we welcome everyone. We welcome our visitors, especially your, our, our guests that are here. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here today and hope God's going to bless you in a very special way. We want to welcome especially today uh, Felicia Belcher, who is leading our choir today, and uh, she's been working with our choir, and if things work out the way we hope they, they do, we hope we're going to be seeing a lot of her around here. So thank you, Felicia, uh, for being with us today. Um, uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, be sure to put your email address on there. It's a great way to keep up with the activities uh, going on here at Community Baptist Church, and we always have a lot going on. Uh, speaking of which, let me say thank you to everyone who was who were involved with our our uh, fall festival. Thank you, Lana, for uh, leading things, for heading things up, and for all of the volunteers that help put that together and make it another year of great success. So we are grateful for that. Uh, we are continuing with our Hoops and Cheers basketball and cheerleading program on on Saturdays, uh, and it has it has been a wonderful experience. We've got a couple of more weeks coming up with that, and uh, we, we thank all the volunteers that have been helping with that. Uh, you will also notice in your worship folder that we are, as usual, every month we collect an item for our Henderson Christian Outreach, and this month's item is cranberry sauce. Now, wonder why? Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is coming up just a couple of weeks here in Poncho, and so we're collecting cranberry sauce for the Henderson Christian Outreach, so if you'd like to uh, donate some cranberry sauce, just put it in the basket over there um, uh, by the door. And also, uh, you will know that, uh, and, and probably you will thank God, like I am, that Tuesday is Election Day. <laughs> we, are, we are thankful that Tuesday is Election Day. It is finally here, and we can get that behind us. Uh, it, it has been a, 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 an eventful uh, campaigning time. But we at Community Baptist Church are collaborating along with the Henderson Justice Coalition to provide rides to the polls. And uh, we will be doing that Tuesday morning, beginning early in the morning. And, um, and, and we need some drivers. We need some folks who can drive our vans or maybe even your car uh, to provide rides to the polls. And we especially need drivers in the morning. Uh, so if you are able to do that, then uh, please see me as soon as possible, and we can get you signed up for that. It is good to share this time together with each of you, and let me invite you now to let us stand up and just take a moment to greet each other in the name of the Lord.
It is good to share this time of fellowship together. Uh, let it never be said that we are that we are not a church that loves one another. We do that. And so we are grateful for that opportunity to share that love with one another. But now let us gather, let us take our seats and prepare our hearts for worship.
Let us pray together. Oh God, we do thank You for this beautiful privilege of being together in this place. Because You have called us to be Your people. We recognize, O oh God, that You are the God of each of us. The God of the abused, the God of the homeless, the God of the oppressed, and even the God of the oppressor. The God of the politician, the God of the caregiver, the God of the banker, the God of the cook and the teacher, the God of the physician and the police officer, the God of every single one of us. You are our God. And we are your people. We are your people in need because we see a world that is so in need of love and reconciliation and justice and the kind of peace that can only come when there is justice. We are your people in need because so many layers have been peeled away and, and we complain about all the problems out there. But we also see the problems within ourselves. And we're scared. So give us courage. Give us courage to see and to call out the truth of injustice in the world. But also give us eyes that continue to see your hand at work even in the midst of our fears and uneasiness. We pray for the innocent and even the not-so-innocent people in so many war-torn regions of our world. We pray for Your Spirit of peace to rest upon those areas. And we pray that Your children would be peacemakers as we advocate for innocent children and women and men who suffer so. And as we seek to provide food and shelter and education and occupation for those who have been displaced. Be with our loved ones, O Lord those who are struggling with relationships or worry about work or seem to have no sense of, of you in their lives. Give hope to the hopeless. Give food to the hungry and love to the unlovable and humility to the greedy. And lead us, O oh God, to bring about a future when all people are seen as your people, where all barriers are brought down, and give us courage, O oh God, to look within ourselves and to become aware of our own sin. Those parts of our hearts that have become hardened for whatever reason. Remind us to be grateful always, O oh God. Grateful for your mercy and acceptance of us. Grateful for your being a God who knows human suffering because you've experienced it. And grateful for the promise that nothing, absolutely nothing, can ever separate you from us. And we are grateful, O oh God, we are, as we pray these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, in whose death and resurrection we find our own stories of death and resurrection and hope. Amen.
Is it working now? Oh my gosh, it's because I didn't. You're not saying that. 
Put your big girl panties on and deal with it. <laughs> All right, I'll give you one guess. Whose room, do you, whose room do you think that goes on? Kelsey's. No, it's Kelsey's. No, it's Kelsey's. All right, you ready, Georgia? Come on. Signs, signs, everywhere there's signs. Perfect. All right, Georgia, read it for us. Louder. Yep, that's our sign. We may not be fancy, but we are sure are fun. That's okay. It's not glass. You know what? That's the way it is sometimes. Sometimes our family is not so fun, and we should be ashamed of ourselves for that. All right, Wyatt, you ready? Sign, signs, everywhere there's signs. Now, guess whose sign this is. Look it up, or show it out there. Now read it, real loud. My garage, my tools, my rules. Don't touch. Borrow. Borrow, move, or even look at them. Hmm. This is not a good sign. It's kind of hateful. This is my garage, my tools, my rules. Don't touch, borrow, move, or even look at them. That hangs in garage. Yes, 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 yes. All right. You know what? Everywhere there's signs. All right, Sarah. Can you read the napkins? You know what? How many of you have noticed your paper towels? For goodness sake. Come here, Sarah. Oh, my gosh. It's a long one. Let me help you on that one. Okay. This one says, each morning is a new opportunity to shine. A chance to give the past a kick in the pants and the future a bear hug. Oh, my gosh. Usually you just tear it and wipe your hands and go on. Let's see what this one says. Love big, play hard, and eat dessert. Savor the simple things and don't worry about the rest. Choose today to be amazing. When you guys are reading these, what are you feeling? Do they kind of make you feel different? They should. They either make you laugh all right, look at this one. I wiped my hand on this this morning, and I did notice it says, Good morning, beautiful. It brought a smile to my face because when I wiped my, wiped my hand on this this morning, mm, yeah, I wasn't beautiful. Mm-mm. And here's to a great start. Go ahead and hold that up there so we can see your pretty little face. All right, one more, and then I'm going to have you guys sit down. Signs, signs, everywhere signs. There's signs everywhere. Come on and hold this. I'm going to help you read it because it's kind of long. Hold on to it and show it to the audience. I shouldn't say audience. Show it to our church family. That's kind of silly. This says, wait a minute, the type is little. (laughs) This is my oldest son, and that's my mom, and that's my granddaughter, who's now 11. This says, family is the essence that helps define our very identity. Family means believing, loving, and supporting each other. You know, that's hung on the wall for a long time, but we really hadn't stopped to uh, look at that and decide what we need to do with it. Okay? Last but not least, I don't know you, but welcome to our church. Sign, sign, everywhere is Okay, so they can be little signs, they can be big signs, they can be funny signs, they can be sad signs, or they can be important signs. Can you read it? This is on our refrigerator. 
for it is in giving that we receive. Okay, you guys can sit down just for a second. So this is my point to this story, not to be silly, but we're going into a very, very important part of the year. And these last signs, I'm just going to think that we really need to remember these every day. You can never laugh too hard, dance too long, sing too loud, and let me tell you, you all agree that choir this morning on that first song, oh my gosh, or love too much. All right, Mark, one more time, last time. Sign, sign, everywhere sign. Love is the greatest gift we can give each other. We cannot go around our house and not remember to look at the signs all around us. So in this season of Thanksgiving, everybody sit with me. We gather together. And the last one, not just at Thanksgiving. All right, let's pray. I'll get those in just a second. Our gracious Heavenly Father, it is the season to give thanks. But Father, we should, and sometimes we're all guilty of this, sometimes we don't give thanks as often as we should. We thank you for everything you've done for us, everything you're yet to do for us, and for always taking care of us. God, we thank you for these beautiful kids that are here to worship you and to learn about you. Just be with each and every one of us. Be with, be with Brother Tim as he brings our message today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys, very much. Thank you. Thank you, baby.
its best is the expression of the total life. For all things else being equal, our prayers are only as powerful as our lives. Will you pray with me? O God, you are the light of the world, the desire of all nations, and the shepherd of our souls. Let your light shine in the darkness, that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. By the lifting up of your cross, gather the peoples to your obedience. Let your sheep hear your voice and be brought home to your fold, so that there may be one flock, one shepherd, one holy kingdom of righteousness and peace. One God and Father of all, above all and in all and through all. Amen. Thank you so much, Jika. If you would like to follow along with me in your Bible, on your electronic pads, or if you want to follow on the screen, we're reading from John chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you have given me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one. As we are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you.
Can you resonate with the words of that song? We are so blessed. I thought I'd get an amen out of that. Come on, aren't we? We are so blessed. You know, it's a, it's an exciting thing to be a part of the, the church of Jesus Christ, isn't it? It really is, because we are so blessed. And we've got a, we've, we've got a pretty good thing going here. And we need to let the rest of the world know just how good it is, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah, there's, there's an old story about a high school football, uh, football star who was being recruited by the coach from a, a major university. And, but this coach had never actually seen this young man play before, so he was asking him some direct questions. Son, he said, I understand that, that you do the passing for your team. Are you a pretty good passer? And the boy said, yeah, am I a good passer? I, well, I have to... I'm a great passer. I threw the ball a hundred times this season. I only had one incompletion, and that was because the the receiver fell down before the ball got to him. The coach was pretty impressed by this. And he said, I understand you also play defense. Are you a good tackler? The boy answered, am I a good tackler? Well, I'll have you know that in one game, I sacked the quarterback three times. Well, the coach began to rub his hands together in glee. And, and then he said, I understand you also do the punting for your team. Can you kick the ball pretty well? Can I kick the ball, he said. I'll have you know that I have to hold back on all of my punts to keep the ball from flying into the stands. Well, the coach was really thrilled by everything he was hearing here. And then he, he finally said, well, tell me something, son. Do you have any weaknesses at all? And the boy thought about it for just a moment, and he said, Well, I do have a tendency to exaggerate things a little. (laughs) I guess that young man may have overstated his abilities a bit, but what a refreshing change that is from most Christians. Because if anything, most of us have a tendency to understate just how much God means in our lives. And just how much of a privilege it is to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Folks, I want to tell you something. Following Jesus Christ is the most thrilling business in the world. I mean, think about it. God has entrusted you and me with the work of bringing this beaten and battered world into a right relationship with God. And God has called upon us to bring abundant life to the hearts of those who are, who are cold and uncaring. And God has offered us the possibility of being a part of building God's kingdom on this wor- in this world. And so when you think about that, doesn't that just make you feel pretty good? That God has offered that opportunity to us. Or are you like that man who went into a bar... And asked for a bottle of old squirrel whiskey. And when the bartender said he didn't have any old squirrel whiskey, but he did have some old crow, and the man said, no, I don't want to fly, I just want to jump around a bit. (laughs) I'm sorry, I, I know. But it makes my point, because you see, there's a huge difference between people who want to fly and people who just want to jump around a bit. And I believe that our spirits ought to soar. We ought to fly 
when we think about the great honor that God has given to us of being called God's people and being entrusted by God to reconcile the world to God's self. In our scripture lesson that Sybil read just a few moments ago, Jesus was praying for the church. He prays that we will be unified in the work that God has called us to. But you know, I just wonder if those early disciples could possibly understand what would happen after they were gone. Could those early disciples possibly have imagined that more than 2,000 years later we would be here, all of these people walking in their footsteps? 2,000 years. Certainly God has honored Jesus' prayer. Now, that is not to say that there haven't been times when Christians have bickered and fought with one another. If you just take a look at church history, you'll see an awful lot of that. But the truth of the matter is, listen to this, folks. There are more of us now, more Christians now than ever before. You see, those first 12 disciples soon became 70. And then those 70 became hundreds And now those hundreds have literally become more than 2.2 billion Christians across this world. Indeed, the past 200 years in the history of the church has seen a tremendous explosion of Christian outreach, more so than even in the early days of the church. And listen to this. There are more Christians in the world today than there were people in the world just a hundred years ago. So don't be deceived by how anemic the church is becoming in the United States and in, in, uh, in Europe. Because, folks, there are places around this world where literally thousands of people are coming to Christ every single day. And so if we broaden our perspective a bit, we can't help but to recognize that it is truly an exciting time to be a part of God's church. But where does, all, where does the church get all of the power that sustains the church through all these ages? That's what I want to talk about this morning. And I believe that the, that the church gets her power from three different sources. First of all, she gets her power from the world's need. My friends, this world is in desperate need of what you and I have to offer. And, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about far off places or right here at home. This world still needs to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Years ago in one of his books, evangelist Billy Graham spelled out the world's need in, a, in very graphic terms. And I know that the world has changed a lot since he wrote these words, but this is, uh, this is the way things were just about a generation ago. <clears throat> he writes, in China, when my wife was growing up, frequently babies who died before cutting their teeth were thrown out to be eaten by pariah dogs. 
The people were afraid that if evil spirits thought that they cared too much for their children, they would come and take another one. And so they tried to prove their indifference by just tossing them out. In India, Graham continues, a missionary who passed by the banks of the Ganges River noticed that there was a mother sitting on the edge with two of her children. On her lap was a beautiful new baby, and whimpering beside her was a painfully and a painfully mentally challenged child of about three years old. On her return home that night, the missionary saw that the young mother was still sitting on the bank of the Ganges, but the baby was gone. And the mother was trying to comfort her mentally challenged child. Horrified at what she thought might have taken place, she walked over to the mother and asked her what had happened. And with tears streaming down her cheeks, the mother said, I don't know about the God in your country, but the God in my country demands the best. She had sacrificed her perfect little baby to the God of the Ganges. Do you suppose that these people needed to be liberated by the good news that God is not a God of darkness, but a God of light? That God is not a God of cruelty, but a God of compassion? That God is not a God that demands fear from us, but a God who creates faith within us? It is no wonder that in developing countries across our world, so many people are turning to Jesus. But folks, we don't, we don't need to go halfway around the world to find people who, who need the good news of Christ. There are people right here in our community who are lonely and heartbroken. There are people right here in our community with physical needs and emotional needs and spiritual needs. And guess what? We are the people that God has called upon to meet those needs. And when we acknowledge that truth and we, when we live out that truth, our calling to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ, then the church really becomes the church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And we have so much to give. We have more to give than we realize. A visitor from an undeveloped country was traveling across the United States and he saw many of the natural and human-made wonders of, of, our, of our country. He saw the Golden Gate Bridge and the Grand Canyon and, the, and Niagara Falls and the Empire State Building, things like that. And, but he said that of all, the, all of the wonders of America, what impressed him the most was the large size of America's garbage cans. Folks, we have so much stuff that we have a hard time disposing of the leftovers. And I wonder when we will ever learn that the measure of our lives is not in how much we have, but in how much we give. Here's the thing. We have been chosen by God to be the ones through whom God's love must flow to others. And as, as long as that love is 
flowing, then we're fresh and we're alive. But if we ever dam it up and try to keep it all to ourselves, we will be, we'll become like a stagnant pond. Because you see, the church gets its power by meeting the needs of other people. And that's, that's why our motto here at Community Baptist Church is being the presence of Christ to a world in need. Here's the second place that the church gets power. The church gets its power from the fellowship that we have together. At least the fellowship that we ought to have together. Um, author Chuck Swindle tells a powerful story about an old Marine Corps buddy of his who, uh, to Chuck's surprise, came to know Jesus after he was discharged from the Marine Corps. And the reason Chuck was surprised was because his buddy was always the one who cursed the loudest and drank the hardest and chased the most women and fought anybody who wouldn't, wouldn't back down. He loved war, he loved weapons, and he hated chapel services. But sometime later, Chuck ran into this man. And after they talked for a while, his buddy said, You know, Chuck, the only thing I still miss is that old fellowship that I used to have with all the guys down at the tavern. He said, I remember how we used to sit around and we'd let our hair down, and I just can't find anything like that for Christians. I no longer have a place where I could admit all of my faults and talk about my battles where somebody won't preach at me or frown at me and quote me scriptures. And it was just a short time after that that Chuck came across a profound paragraph that he thought applied to his, his friend's sentiments. Here's what the paragraph said. It says the neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit there is to, to the fellowship that Christ wants to give to his church. It is an imitation dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality. But it is a permissive, accepting, inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. It is democratic. And you can tell people secrets and they usually won't tell others. Or even want to. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put within the human heart the desire to know and to be known, and the desire to love and to be loved. And so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. With all my heart, the writer concludes, I believe that Christ wants his church also to be unshockable, a fellowship where people may come in and say, I'm sunk, I'm beat, I've had it. He said Alcoholics Anonymous has that quality, but unfortunately many of our churches miss out on it. Now before you take up arms and shoot some wag that would compare your church to the corner bar, Chuck continues. He said, stop and ask yourself some tough questions like I had to do, he says. He said, make a list of some possible embarrassing situations that people may not know how to handle. 
a woman discovers her husband is a practicing homosexual? Where in the church can she find help where she feels secure with that secret? Your mate talks about separation or divorce. Who do you tell? Your daughter is pregnant and she's run away for the third time. She's no longer listening to you. Who do you tell that to? You just lost your job and it's your fault. You blew it. And so there is shame along with unemployment. Who do you tell that to? Financially, you've made some bad decisions and now you're in deep trouble. Or a man's wife is an alcoholic or something as horrible as getting the results of a biopsy back and it reveals cancer and the prognosis is not good. Or you had an emotional breakdown. Who do you tell these things to? Chuck concludes that the church is the only outfit I know that shoots its wounded. We can become the most severe, condemning, judgmental, guilt-giving people on the face of the earth. And we claim it's in the name of Jesus. And all the while, we don't even know we're doing it. And that's the most pathetic part of it all. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's like a slap in the face. That's a pretty powerful indictment of the church, isn't it? But let me tell you something. That's not the kind of fellowship that God wants for us. And it's not the kind of fellowship that we try to seek out here at Community Baptist Church. We want a fellowship that lifts one another up, not tear each other down. And then we seek to lift up those who are outside of the doors of this church. We want to be a fellowship that draws people into this congregation who have real problems. And then we want to surround them with Christ's love, just like we have been surrounded with Christ's love. And that's the second place that the church gets its power from. We get our power from the fellowship that we have with one another. And then finally, One more thing, the church gets its power through the knowledge that God is with us. God is with us through the presence of God's Holy Spirit. I read about a pastor who says that he was totally unprepared when he was assigned his first congregation. He says, I will never forget my first shut-in. She was a dear lady who had been a member of that church for over 80 years. But now she was in the declining years of her life, and for all practical purposes, she was completely deaf. He said she, she could hear if you cupped her ears and shouted, Good morning! How are you? And then she would nod. Because her Parkinson's disease garbled her voice. And she couldn't speak very well. And for all practical purposes, she was also blind. She could hardly see a thing. And she was confined to her bed. And and, and this young pastor said, I was not used to being with old people. 
He said, I I wanted so badly to minister to her, but I felt so awkward. I mean, what kind of small talk could we make? Even if with all of her handicapping conditions, we could talk. What do we have in common? He says, I felt totally incompetent. But I was faithful. And I visited her from time to time, though each time I felt like a fool. And I closed with prayer at each visit. But how do you shout a prayer into somebody's ear? It was a frustrating experience, he says. And then 18 months later, this dear lady died. And he says, I conducted her funeral. Funeral. And can you imagine the surprise when at her funeral, her two daughters came up to me and handed me a note. And on it was scrawled almost illegibly the last message that lady ever communicated. And on it were these words. Please tell my young pastor how much his visits meant to me. He said, I have often looked back on that experience with wonderment and awe. And I have come to this conclusion. As I sought to minister to this dear lady, it was not I who was giving her comfort. It was Christ. And that is indeed Christ's promise to each of us. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And my friends, it is not easy to minister to other people. But God will give us the power that we need to overcome our weaknesses and to accomplish the task that God has given to us. So where does the church get its power from? From the world's need. From our fellowship together and from the presence of the one who goes with us. Jesus prayed that God would secure and unify his church and that That prayer has been answered in great and miraculous ways. Even though the church today is certainly not all that God means for for us to be. But we're still meeting the world's needs, aren't we? Or at least we're trying to. We're trying. And we are still together here, fellowshipping with one another, lifting one another up. And not tearing each other down. And guess what, folks? Christ is still with us. So let us commit ourselves together to do the work that God has set before us. Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, number 345, Now I Belong to Jesus. And I hope we can sing this as a prayer of our hearts and recognizing that we do belong to Jesus. We are, we are the church of Jesus Christ. And we belong to Jesus. So let's sing that wonderful truth.
for disciples that they would receive power to be witnesses. May we be sent forth from this place with power to witness concerning you. When we encounter discord and injustice, may we give witness to your peace. When we encounter poverty and brokenness, may we give witness to your compassion. When we come across pain and suffering, may we give witness to your healing and comfort. And when we come across spiritual deprivation, may we give witness to your salvation. We ask that we would be able both to accept the trials of life and to do all that we can to alleviate them. Recognizing, O God, that in you we live and we move and we have our being. Amen. Amen.